For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, guys, back here on Southeastern 14 with Max Barr, and uh, we are sharing our reaction to a very predictable Saturday in SEC basketball. There were no surprises. Um, we got everything right on our picks. Like, every, I mean, we didn't, I didn't think we missed one, right, Max? I mean, we got all of our picks right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, <laughs> we'll get to that in just a bit. But <laughs> before we do that, uh, let me tell you about uh, our friends over – at bet online and uh yes this is me you know scrambling to try to find the actual uh read here but uh <laughs> max can laugh because he knows i do this every time he used to chris doing the read so i'm like well, chris isn't on I'm gonna find the read but uh nfl playoffs right around the corner week 18 action actually today as we're recording this uh nba season also in full swing and of course our friends at bet online have you covered with all the up to the second odds news and scores um the additional odds lines trends and info you can find them both on desktop and mobile uh you can access you know their world renowned wagering information anytime so head there today betonline.ag get into the action and see all the updated odds on all these games uh, and remember use that promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your first your 50 welcome bonus on your first deposit uh, bet online is where the game starts all right so we made all those jokes about getting our picks right and everything but um <laughs> this was such an interesting day of action, Max. And rather than just do like a, you know, we'll maybe do this at the end in terms of like talking about what on earth did we learn here? Uh, but let's just get into the games. Cause we're going to talk about each one of these games. And we start with one that uh, we all got wrong, which that will maybe a theme here on a couple of these, <laughs> but uh, South Carolina, but let me just say this real quick. Okay. We, we have our fun. And I had, we had fun on Twitter yesterday, especially with the Auburn Arkansas game, but trust me, I say this all the time. If we were going to get all of our picks right, I, Max is great. Chris is great. I would not be working here if we were going to get all of our picks right. Because you know what? That means I could pr- accurately see the future. I would be living in Las Vegas right now. I'd be going and betting on every game out there and just raking in the dough. But unfortunately, Max, we're not that good. Um, so it's fine. We got this one wrong, though. South Carolina 68, Mississippi State 62. Uh, the Gamecocks. How about that? I mean, this is a big win. Like we said, this was a huge game for South Carolina because everybody had kind of Talked about going in, the non-conference schedule, all of that. We, you know, in certain areas had our doubts if, if they could kind of keep this thing going. And it's only one game. But, hey, I thought, again, I told you this. I tweeted it out. For them to win a game like this against what I still think is a good Mississippi State team, um, to do it with Talon Cooper and B.J. Mack going 2 of 15 from the floor combined, which means that Michi Johnson stepped up, Miles Studi stepped up. You had your big four. I mean, those guys, and as you're going to talk about, I know Cooper helped out in other areas as well, and so did Mac. Uh, but, man, this was a really good win for South Carolina. Uh, Mississippi State shoots three of 13 from three. That was one of those things that when I talk about, I feel like some teams offensively are going to take a step back. When you start getting to SEC play, you know, you start to play – different type of teams and you know the physicality ramps up a little bit although mississippi state's always been a team that can handle that but a lot of things in this game just went in south carolina's favor and you know got off to a slow start only had six points 10 minutes through the first half but gamecocks take a win here max 
I like how you mentioned the the slow start there real quick. That's what I was going to touch on first. You watch the first uh, five, ten minutes of this game, and you're like, oh, gosh, this is just going to be a, a dominance by physicality and, and you know, getting low post position. I mean, the first five, ten minutes, Tolu Smith had, like, I don't know how many uh, post position entry passes where he just had to, like, turn around and he's under the rim. Um, what a response from South Carolina. I loved the fight. Um, I thought the guys that they brought off the bench, Colin Murray Boyles, Zach, I mean, Zachary Davis with, with, uh, nine points, um, four rebounds for him. Uh, besides Cooper, the turnovers were a little bit of a problem, but Talon Cooper, four points, not his best offensive night, but seven assists, only one turnover. That is exactly what they were looking for, uh, when they brought him in from Minnesota. I mean, what an opening game. This was scrappy. There was a lot of fouls both ways. There was a, We were talking about this right before we started recording, Blake. Just the amount of weird and wacky fouls, like late in games yeah, and stuff like that. A lot, it, of them. a lot of them. You could tell it was opening day here. A little bit of jitters and, and you know, starting to adjust to the physicality of SEC play. Kind of in, you know, a choppy game both sides. Um, but, my gosh, we tweeted a – I think it was last week, you know, is this the new norm in Columbia, you know, with Lamont Paris? Is this the new normal? And we had a, a bunch of comments saying, well, I'm going to pump the brakes on that. <laughs> I take, take your foot off the brakes here because this team is legit. I mean, look, one of my two bold predictions, the other one we're going to talk about in a minute. I don't know if I feel as strongly about that after this team's first performance in SEC play. But look, I said, I, said, I mean, South Carolina was – Making the NCAA tournament. Hey, I feel a little bit better about it now. No, they got a lot of wins to get um, from here on out. It's, and that's why I want to reiterate, like, the, the reason I feel like sometimes, you know, game one of conference slate is always just the most unpredictable because you've not seen these teams, you know, play each other yet, right? Like, you've seen the non-conference portion. We talked about, like, stats can be a little inflated just based on the, the opponent and all that. But once you actually see teams and how they handle these kind of situations against – you know, better competition. Um, yeah, like it's always you definitely take stuff away from that and you sort of learn a lot more about a team. And I thought this was just a huge win. And, and also, like, give South Carolina credit in terms of like the fan support because I always say that too, right? Like, that is good atmosphere. Um, you know, and it's not been easy for that fan base to get invested into their basketball program, uh, in recent years just due to the, you know, lack of success. Uh, basically, what since that final four run they made, um, you know, a while back, and so yeah, a good win for South Carolina. Uh, I still think Mississippi State's pretty good. Uh, it's just, yeah, hey, this was a lot more about South Carolina, I thought. So, um, all right, let's go to the next one. And by, by the way, South Carolina winning like our power rankings this week are going to be an absolute just, it, so it's going to be. Mad fantastic to see where everyone ranks all these teams because i am just going to be it's the most exciting week of power rankings we, we've had yet like because yeah. there's going to be a lot of movement and i'm curious to see where we we all kind of wind up in terms of the you know our individual votes and the composite rankings so all right the next one was kind of the the high profile game Ooh. uh we talked a lot about kentucky 87 florida 85 we said it max it's going to be a high scoring game it got there uh, with these two. You would know more than I would from the betting standpoint if this thing hit the over, uh, but I assume it, it did. did. It did. Yeah. Um, yeah, 87-85. So, well, I mean, I don't even know where you start with this game. Like, <laughs> this was um, – I know you've got a stat coming, 
And I will mm-hmm. just say that, look, I, you're talking to the hedge guy, right? Like Hoop Southbound show, I picked Florida. Our show, I picked Kentucky. That was a couple of days later. I said, the more I look at this game, I just feel like I trust Kentucky more in the spot. And I know, again, their first true road game, canceling out the Louisville game in that scenario. Um, but, man, I, I I say the same thing. And I know on the broadcast, like Billis and uh, who else was calling it? Um, pointing oh, out. He's the other know, ball guy. Shulman. Um, yeah, Shulman. Yeah. Uh, I, I know they're pointing out like at one point and throughout the game, as Florida's lead starts to, you know, go up a little bit, because I think they were up by as many as 11 in the first half. I think they specifically said the phrase, you know, Kentucky's freshmen look like freshmen today. And they did for a, a lot of points in that game. Like they look like freshmen. They, they were making, you know, uncharacteristic mistakes. You know, it's even, it's even the little things, right? It's like Reed, Reed Shepard missing a couple free throws, like all those kind of things. You're just like, yeah, like, you know, maybe it's just not Kentucky's day, right? Like maybe the freshmen just, they're not able to kind of rise to the occasion here. And, um, you know, this just, this Florida's game. Um, but I just go back to the same thing. What happened after that? Like they, Great crowd, great atmosphere. Kentucky finds its composure. The young guys start to step up and make big plays down the stretch, which combined with the older experience of an Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell, who both had really good games. But specifically, you had Wagner. You had Bradshaw make some big plays. You had Shepard make some big plays. Um, you know, even Dillingham and, and Edwards, who only had six apiece, <laughs> It's just like these guys in these moments, they always rise to the occasion. And yeah, it was sloppy for a while there, but this is why I like this Kentucky team so much is that all the momentum was in Florida's favor. And yet Kentucky just, they kept kind of chipping away, kept chipping away. Um, And look, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we've been so high on Kentucky is like for them to go in and win a game like this, where you could probably say for the majority of the game, Florida was the better team. Uh, mm-hmm. but Kentucky just made the winning plays. They just found a way, and there's a lot of these freshmen stepping up and making big plays on the Florida side real quick. You know, we, I know we were kind of texting about it at halftime. It's like, boy, Florida, they look fantastic. But you and I said the same thing in our text thread. It was like, yes, but that's probably the best half that Florida's played all season. Can they replicate this? And the point I was going to make, and I think I may have said this in our, our group chat, was – Florida hit eight threes in the first half. And, and I think even Cal said it, right? They're, they're talking about the broadcast. Like, Cal even yeah. said, these guys can't play any better. Um, you know, and it was just – and here's the thing. Like, statistically, they hit eight threes in the first half. There's only, what, three games this season, out, you know, that they had hit more than eight threes in an entire game. And so, second half, what was it, Max? They got one of 11? One of 11, yeah. Yeah. And so, again, it just kind of – the law of averages come back. That helps Kentucky kind of stay in the game. And, yeah, man, this was a great game. Like, these are two fantastic teams at their best. And I think Florida, Florida stock has to go up from here. But what a great win for Kentucky. I, w- I have written my first note on this, on my my breakdown of this game is, is it possible for both teams to win? And I, <laughs> I just, I, I, I feel bad that, that Florida did not, was it, wasn't able to walk away with a win. That atmosphere was phenomenal. Um, and I mean, sometimes when you're at home, the ball is just, you know, falling your way Two banked threes in the first half. Yeah. Um, I was like, what the heck is going on? This game is insane. Um, 
we told you to tune into this one. The the pace was high. It lived up to the billing. If this is any indication of what the like the top half of the SEC is going to look like, you know, with your teams that really pay at a play at a higher pace, man, are we in for a wild ride? Um, we were right on this game uh, in our in our preview. Uh, I said I think the rebounding numbers are off. If you look at the full season numbers compared to when they have Bradshaw and Uganda in the game, it's it's night and day and. I mean, Florida, you know, wins the rebounding battle by three. It's pretty much dead even the whole game. Uh, and that's without a Thiero, who's arguably one of your best rebounders. Um, so I thought uh, Kentucky was was great on the glass. Um, if you if you watched uh, Coach Cal's uh, post-game press conference, he goes, Florida's really good. We got lucky. And, and, and I like how he, it, it, you know, just comes right out and says that. You know, this Florida team played a phenomenal first half. And the young freshmen had to battle through it and, and change kind of how they were playing mid-game, which is very hard to do. Um, Cal said, Cal said, Rob Dillingham was terrible. He said that. He goes, he just goes, he was terrible, but I still played him because I know he's gonna his competitive spirit, he's gonna try to win. Same with Bradshaw. Bradshaw was getting bullied in the beginning by Samuel and Han Loked and bullied. Um, and then he makes the winning plays at the end. Yeah, that three by Bradshaw, top of the key, sealed. That was the game right there. Um, so I think you saw great maturity on both sides. Is anybody more cool, calm, and collected than Zion Pullen? I mean, oh my God, that guy just in in total control. I thought it was great to see Kugel break out of his shooting slump. Although the foul trouble was, yeah, annoying if if you want to put it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I hate to have a team lose this game because of how how great it was at it, from an entertainment standpoint. Um, and you mentioned my stat shout out. I forget what is, I think it's like uh, steel city Gator on Twitter came out with this, this stat. And I, I was stunned. I was like, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. Todd golden. Now in his Florida tenure, you know, year and two months into his tenure, he is one in 15 against the Ken Palm top 50. Oh, and three this year. I mean, that, that is, those are some jarring numbers. Um, he's come very close, but you know, just has not been able to win those big games yet. Um, and that's you no know, really something to look at. You know, moving forward, they go to Ole Miss on Wednesday now to Florida, and both of those teams need a win. They don't, you know, you don't want to start zero two. Um, but man, what a game, Blake! What a game. Well, and and to add to that, like statistically, going, we kind of tied this into the South Carolina game, but. If you're Florida and you know that Will Richards going to go 0 of 7 from 3, have his worst shooting game of the season, yeah. and Tyree Samuel's going to have his worst scoring output of the season, and you're still going to be right there, right you know, there with a chance to win. And again, and probably a lot of people's mind feel like you should have won the game. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's good. I like you said, it's it's not fun to lose, and you know, no moral victories probably in the SEC right now, but Still, like that is something you can build off of because again, we talk about like making those winning plays. There were a lot of plays that you felt like Florida made that were winning plays, like towards the end there. It's just that Kentucky happened to get that extra, you know, opportunity and, and they took advantage of it and won the game. And I, you may have mentioned it, but we've talked about so many stats. I mean, Florida, or excuse me, Kentucky winning the game going five to 20 from three, right? Yeah. I mean, it's we talked about it. that's one of the top three shooting teams in the country to this point. Didn't really make a lot of shots, and that's not unexpected when you go on the road. Uh, right. but. Yeah, like both these teams, I feel like, yes, have to come out feeling really good about themselves. Of course, it feels like a missed opportunity for Florida, but as we said, 
the Gators have been playing very, very well over the past month. And now that they've got their full group in place, and there's maybe another team that is definitely sliding out of what we perceive to be a top five spot in the SEC, I think Florida is right there uh, with an opportunity to take that spot in terms of being a top five team in the league. And I think you saw them kind of battle, uh, you know, Kentucky to the wire here and, and have a great chance to win this one. So really like the guard group for Florida. Um, Kugel stepping up, making shots, as you said, uh, good development. And so, yeah, feel really good about both these teams uh, moving forward. And for Kentucky to get a win, like you mentioned, even with Cal's like, hey, some of these guys played bad, but they still contributed a little bit. And all that adds up uh, to be able to, to win a game like this. So huge win for Kentucky. Still, if I'm a Florida fan, I'm feeling pretty good about things. So, all right. Before we move on, Blake, just looking down the road, I think Lenardi this past week had Florida as a 10 seed. Yeah. I mean, if you're now maybe put them at an 11 or 10 seed, if you're in March Madness and you get matched up against this team as a 10 seed, oh, that is brutal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Is I think for Florida, the the biggest thing to focus on now is like you're starting to, you got to find some good wins because yeah. they just don't have those um, in terms of like resume building wins right now. Uh, because right, like theoretically, you would have thought Michigan would be, but it's not. They're six and eight. So, yep. so yeah, like uh, you've got to start finding wins somewhere. Um, although again, strength of schedule is going to help you, but it's just you know this is where the next group of games are pretty interesting because they go to Ole Miss on Wednesday, Arkansas at home, which sorry is not a good win anymore. <laughs> it's just not right now. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to say it, right? I mean, yeah. Arkansas, we'll talk about them in a minute, but they're they're sub 100 in the net now. Like, so yep. it's just, it's not a great win. So, um, yeah, and then, of course, they go to Tennessee and all that. So, yeah, Florida, I'm looking at their schedule here, and, you know, they get Missouri twice, they get Vanderbilt twice. You know, so that's not ideal because, in all honesty, those are the two bottom teams in the SEC right now. So, so yeah, they, they've got to pick up some wins. Uh, and... You know, again, this is where you've kind of got that opportunity here over the next couple of months to do that. So we'll see what happens there. All right. Speaking of Missouri, um, oh boy, Georgia 75, Missouri 68. Oh, what do you what do you know? Another one that all of us got wrong. I think we all picked Missouri. Yeah, uh, I said so, confidently too. Oh. oh, you said confidently. I was not as confident, but we all picked Missouri. So let's call it what Way it is. Off. We got this one wrong too. Um, Missouri was favored in this game. So again, it's not like we yeah. were we were picking just you know randomly. We picked the team that was the the favorite. So I mean, look, I just uh, I know Missouri fans are frustrated because I saw it on Twitter yesterday and understandable. I get it. All that. Um, they just are not. They they do not pack the offensive punch that they did last year. And, and I've said that so many times where I'm like, I don't know how else to say it. And we've mentioned kind of the Caleb Grill effect, not having him um, and just how that makes them a little bit different on both sides of the floor. They, they just cannot they don't have enough scoring consistency. They're not as deep. Um, I mean, we're seeing it, right? Like you want to talk about a glaring thing that we're just not used to seeing. Dennis Gates plays essentially six guys yesterday. Yeah. Six. He is not someone who barely plays. Yeah. Barely. Like, I mean, Martin played what 12. So, I mean, he basically rolled with starting five and that was it. And again, that is not something that Dennis Gates wants to do or, usually does in any way, shape or form. Like look at the, look at the numbers. Like he likes to have a lot of guys playing. They just have not been able to get that production uh, from top to bottom. And that has been the difference. They don't shoot it as well. It, you know, so you can't make up for that with some of your defensive 
deficiencies that this team clearly still has. Georgia goes 12 to 28 from three. <laughs> um, again, that is just something where Georgia, I don't know if you know the stat, Max, like Georgia's now hit double digit threes in three straight games. I was um, going to say that. Two, two of those against North Florida, Alabama, A&M, but I mean, 11, and they shot 55%, 42%, 43% from three in three straight games. So if Georgia's hitting threes, look out because, um, you know, that's that's pretty good for what is a team that I think to this point has kind of relied maybe more so on its defensive um, skill set than it has its offensive skill set. But I talked about all the stuff with Missouri. It's a great win for Georgia because now their winning streak's up to nine, fifth longest active winning streak in the country. Um, are any of those against NCAA tournament teams? Probably not, but it doesn't matter right now yep. because it's just winning games. And hey, they're eleven and three. I said it. Keep in mind this program completely bottomed out two years ago, six and twenty-six. They won sixteen games last year. They've already got to eleven, you know, and they've still got what I don't know, um, twenty games to go, and so. Credit to Mike White for what he's yeah. done with this program. They may not feel like an NCAA tournament team right now, but I'll tell you this, they're moving up in our power rankings this week. Um, and bravo, Georgia, because this was a game that, again, tough to go on the road and, and win a game like this, but they made that huge run in the first half, got up by 17, and even when Zuri came back and took the lead midway through the second half, Georgia makes the plays, and, again, the, the three-point shot winds up being a, a great advantage here for the Bulldogs. Yeah, Mike White said in his post-game presser, he said, we hit timely threes. It wasn't just we hit threes. They came yeah. at the perfect times, right? And that's what you got to do to win on the road. You got to make the right play at the right time. And I would like to see them not, you know, let up that big lead. But, hey, you, you, a win is a win, and you find a way to get it done, right? We have not given Russell Chewa enough credit here. We just have not. Um, I mean, in a great performance now does does missouri uh have a phenomenal rim protection no but aiden shaw's got a great block right and can hold his own uh mike white said chewa has the the best conditioning on the whole team said every time they do a conditioning drill in practice chewa finishes first and and that's at seven foot 280 right so if they're gonna start getting 30 minutes a game out of this guy uh as long as he defends without fouling and Man, you got the two seniors, uh, Thomason and Abdur Rahim, who kind of lead that perimeter attack. And, geez, this team is is quietly just getting the job done. Uh, before we move on, we got to talk about Sean East. I've been giving him love this whole time. I, there's no, there's really no guard depth now without uh, Caleb Grill, and it doesn't matter. East plays all 40 minutes, 18 points, eight assists, zero turnovers. Uh he needs some help. He can't do it all himself. Um, but, geez, I mean, next up for, for Georgia, you get Arkansas at home. and Very winnable. I mean, this team could <laughs> just keep extending this winning streak, and, and we might have just been sleeping on them this whole time, Blake. Yeah, I mean, again, they got a great chance to keep this thing going based on the next game we're about to talk about. So, um, you know, and let's say they win that game, right? You go on to next Saturday with a home game against Tennessee. Like that is that is a that huge becomes a game huge there. game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like I said, I Mike White, man, I, I always said it at Florida. I just think it was maybe the wrong job at the wrong time. Um, 
in terms of like having to follow Billy Donovan and, um, you know, had success, but just didn't have, like, was never going to be able to rival the success that Billy Donovan right. had, you know, winning back-to-back national championships, still thought he did a good job, still think he's a good coach. You can ask any coach out there. They, they always say the same thing about Mike White. Like, it's just like people don't realize how good of a coach he is. And again, if you watched the downfall of the Georgia basketball program and you see where it is now to where it was it's two incredible. years ago, it is a remarkable turnaround. Long way to go in the season, but you will certainly feel really good about where Georgia's at with a nine-game winning streak now uh, heading into the second game of conference play. So, all right. <laughs> oh, boy. Auburn won 83-51 uh, over Arkansas. Let's move on to Alabama and Vanderbilt. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, we did. We had our fun with this on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. I, I told you, I said, Max, you got to pull a clip. Pull the clip of me saying, as soon as the words came out of Chris's mouth that he was picking Arkansas, I'm like, uh-oh. Like, we all just picked Arkansas. It's over. Like, yeah. Auburn, congratulations. You are the champion of this particular basketball game. Because I just knew, I was like, if, if one of us picked the other way, I'm like, okay, now who knows how this game plays out. But as soon as Chris picked or Arkansas, I'm like, we're toast. Um, little did we know, though, even if we all thought that Auburn had a great chance of winning this game and we regretted not picking them, none of us could have projected this to be the outcome. Um, a 32 point win at Bud Walton arena. Uh, and there was some, I think it was an Arkansas fan replied yesterday and said, Blake, please do not pick us again. I said, you do not have to worry about that. Um, I'm sorry, but like, it's just, this was kind of the last stand with Arkansas, right? Because we said, it felt like they were starting to get some things together after that UNC Wilmington win, you know, had a three game winning streak come in great opportunity to prove themselves at home, you know, knew what the environment would be. I, I just like, this was, I don't I mean, there's no, you know, we're, we're not overstating this, but the worst performance of the Eric Musselman era for Arkansas um, easily. It's not even close. And I, I just, I don't know what to say that, you know, comes across as maybe a little too harsh. Um, but if you watch the game, you probably know how this thing played out and you know exactly kind of what, how this thing unfolded in the second half because there was absolutely no reason for this to be a 32-point loss for Arkansas. Um, none at all. Auburn is a great basketball team. And everything I've said about Tennessee and Kentucky being 1A and 1B, scrap it because it's 1A, 1B, 1C now with Auburn. Yep. Um, they're the top three teams in the SEC and take your pick on whoever's after that because these are three legitimate final four type teams. And again, Mac, it's kind of going back to what we said when we talked about Auburn and I said, Hey, if you're filling out a bracket right now and you just advance teams based off of stats, you're going to advance Auburn a long way because they were completely balanced. They were in the top 20 in Ken Palm offensive and defensive efficiency. Now, guess what? <laughs> They are in the top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. They've gone from top 20, which I think they're like 15 and 20, to now they're 10 in offensive efficiency, eight in defensive efficiency after this dominant performance. So, like, they are a legitimate Final Four type team based on everything we've seen to this point. Um, and which again makes it even sillier that we all did not pick them. But we could just, we could not have predicted this kind of just domination in this performance. And again, I know there's talking points on both sides, but I don't want to go so far in the direction of being like, what on earth happened to Arkansas? 
because I think that's unfair to Auburn just coming out and completely just putting the hammer down here and kind of flexing and saying, hey, time to start putting us in the mix for like Final Four National Championship type team perhaps. Yeah, I I tweeted yesterday, get your Auburn futures in. Get them because this is the best price you're going to get. Uh, I, I rewatched our, our preview video, and in my breakdown, I just list off reason after reason why Auburn's going to win this game. I feel like we all did. Like, it was just, <laughs> we did the same thing. We just picked yeah, Arkansas. We, so. And then I just go, it's Bud Walton Arena. It's Bud Walton. Yeah, right. Well, not anymore. I feel like there's a legitimate crack in the armor of that that Bud Walton Arena is. Um, but I think you have to, as, as poor as the Arkansas performance was, uh, you have to credit Auburn here for the dominance. Uh, you look at those first five minutes and you're like, oh my gosh, Arkansas might win this game. This place is rocking. Uh, the Auburn offense is all out of sorts. Um, and what a response from that second unit that comes in. That that KD Johnson, Trey Donaldson, the Chad basket maker Mazzara, uh, they come in off that second line and are almost better than the first line. Uh, Bruce Pearl said in his press conference, he goes, he got a, yeah, he got asked a question. He goes, uh, you know, what do you have to say about the you know the depth of your team and, and how good the bench is? And and Bruce Pearl goes, I don't know if our bench is so good or our starters aren't good. Uh, and I thought I just thought that was funny. I mean, they legitimately have ten starters on this team, and that's scary uh, because that's what you need on the road. You know, you you come out first five minutes, the starters aren't don't have the juice, and you have a whole new unit that can come in with energy that sees what's going out on the court and, and adjusts. Man, if you were not paying attention to this Auburn team, you better be now because. They just do not have a hole. I think Dylan Cardwell is one of the best defensive big men in the, in the SEC, and he comes off the bench. I mean, we've been talking about Ole Miss having 40 minutes of rim protection. I think Auburn has the better 40 minutes of rim protection right now. Um, just a, an absolute complete performance from Auburn. Uh, you, you can't take anything away from them. I know it was a poor performance from from Arkansas, and they have a ton to work on. I mean, Musselman didn't even have anything to say in the in the press conference. Said we were horrible everywhere. You know, there's there's not really much you can you can say about it. It was a poor performance. You got to give the credit to Auburn. They absolutely dominated. Yep, just dominant. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, look, we talk about depth, and you need depth, and all that. Like uh, Auburn's easily one of the deepest teams in the SEC. They're one of the deepest teams in the country. I was you just think about say that. just. Um, yeah, I mean, really how many guys they can play and the production they get out of all these guys. And, um, yeah, I mean, man, it's, you know, like I said, Arkansas, sorry, I'm probably not gonna be picking you in a lot of games like this, um, until there's a clear turnaround Auburn. I'm probably not gonna be picking against you uh, anymore in, in these kind of games because it just <laughs> doesn't make sense. Uh, by the way, I did tell some Auburn fans, we're going to bring out the bag of shame, uh, on today's show. But again, Chris is not on the show. He is the, the owner of the bag of shame. Yes. So. We'll have to have Chris wear that when we do our power rankings um, either on Monday or Tuesday because, uh, yeah, we'll bring out the bag of shame for uh, us all picking Arkansas. But um, mm, Auburn, looking good, looking good. So yeah. both both fan bases, Auburn or Arkansas, how about let, let us know in the comments. What are you thinking about your team right now? Because uh, I put that tweet out yeah. yesterday. I'm like, reply with a gif. Uh, and boy, you want to talk about the difference of uh, visual yeah. gifts uh, from both Auburn and Arkansas fans. It was quite a scene. 
uh, on Twitter yesterday. But all right, let's talk about this next one: Alabama seventy-eight, Vanderbilt seventy-five. You were much all closer, <laughs> much closer than the experts anticipated. But let me just tell you, there's a reason I reeled off all those you know numbers because. I just, for whatever reason, I think there is like a law in Memorial Gym that Alabama cannot score more than 80 points. Um, because it's just, I feel like it's been a long time since that happened. Even the games like I talked about, 77-62, 77-67, like it's just, it's always works out this way um, for Alabama. And again, if you go back and watch our preview, I spent probably way too much time talking about this and just the, the history of Alabama basketball at Memorial Gym. It's just not been favorable for the Crimson Tide. Um, so I'm willing to chalk some of it up to that, but I also want to point this out. I think it's clear that Vanderbilt is getting better. And yeah. I mean, the, the difference is that you're having other guys step up. Jason Rivera Torres goes for 20. Um, look, that's what we are saying about Vanderbilt. If you're going to have a chance to be competitive in the SEC, you have to have other guys that can carry the load beyond Lawrence and Mignon. And you know, those guys combined for 36, go figure. Like That's what you expect from those two, but it's just getting more production out of everybody else consistently. And if you do that, they're going to have chances to hang with a lot of these teams. Um, you know, and I felt like this was kind of a game where once again, it felt like Alabama had no business keeping, you know, making this game as close as it was. But I think you credit Vanderbilt for that. Um, you credit the Memorial gym curse for Alabama, Alabama, I guess. I mean, what else do you say? And, I don't know, man. I, I look, am I going to, you know, say, all right, I am all in on Alabama as the SEC champion after a three point win at Vanderbilt. No, I'm not going to do that right now, but I still think you could see a lot of good with Alabama here. Uh, they hit, you know, 12 threes, but they just turned the ball over a little bit too much that um, they gave Vanderbilt a few too many good opportunities. And again, like we said, defensively, if you have some of those lapses and you just give teams easy opportunities you know, that's just the way this thing works. And keep in mind here, too, something I want to point out. Alabama scored 33 points in the first 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> After that, they scored 45 in the final 30 minutes of the game, right? So maybe just chalk it up to one of those SEC game one performances and for Alabama's, like, you know, dungeon of torture, essentially, uh, <laughs> playing at this gym for, for them. But I also don't think we can just come out of this and say, what happened to Alabama? We got to start crediting Vanderbilt because the Memphis game was there, played well against Dartmouth. I know it's different competition, but played well here and had a chance to win this game uh, at the end. Yeah, I, I think this is much less of Alabama is not for real and much more of, geez, Vandy is starting to to get their mojo back a little bit. Lawrence, Mannion, and, and JRT there, Jason Rivera-Torres, are playing phenomenal. You, you got to give it to him. Um, I would like to see a little bit uh, higher of an assist rate. You know, six assists for the team to nine turnovers is is a little bit too much isolation offense. But you got to give them credit on defense. They forced 16 turnovers. Uh, Mark Sears with six turnovers, that's his most in Alabama uniform. All of last year and this yeah. year, six turnovers is his is his high. Um so you got to give credit to the to the Vandy defense there, making things uncomfortable. But I do also think it was just a little bit of that that you know opening game jitters, opening SEC play jitters and whatnot. But hey, you got to give credit to Rylan Griffin. There's a lot of people that that were out on this guy early in early in the season, 
over the last three games, 15 points per game, shooting just under 44% from three. It's exactly what you need from him. Uh, his defense is very important out on the perimeter. Uh, still don't really know what's going on with, with the conglomerate in the front court. I mean, I think we've, we've kind of seen the, the back court settle down into that four-man rotation of Estrada, Sears, Griffin, and Wright Cell, which is as solid as it gets. But the front court is still just a huge conglomerate of, uh, of all those, you know, 6'10 and above guys. So interesting to see how that shakes out if the rotation, you know, gets a little bit thinner here down the stretch, or if they just keep playing, you know, a, a conglomerate of big guys and, and let the guards really just take control of the team. Either way, though, I don't – I really just – moving on from this game, I don't want anyone to be like, oh, geez, Alabama is not good. Alabama is bad. If you if you watch this game, you saw it was their sloppiest performance offensively after that big start. I think they got a little bit complacent. And, and Bandy ain't scared of no one. All right, Stackhouse is not scared of anyone. They're gonna fight, and and that's what they did. You know, it was a it was a hard nosed SEC opener. Don't take anything away from from either team here. Road games again in this league are always they're always interesting, right? You yeah. you get one extreme like this feels like extreme if you just look at it on paper and compare right. the teams, and then you get the Auburn Arkansas example, right? And then you get like the wild Kentucky Florida type game and. Um, you know, and then we're going to talk about one here in a second where it's like, you get one just comes out of nowhere where the underdog wins. And it's like, it's just, yeah, like that's the way it works in this league seemingly. Yep. And so interesting results, uh, like that. So, all right, let's move to this next one. Road team went winning this one. Um, Tennessee 90, Ole Miss 64. That look you see on Max Barr's face is, uh, him realizing that his rebels have now lost a game in the 23, 24 college basketball season, uh, because it is their first game that they've lost. And, uh, unfortunately, in the pick'em, I said, "Hey, Max, give me Ole Miss in the points here." Uh, I took them too. Well, I did take Kentucky times too. I, that was my double pick, and so at least I got that one. But um, which that's another thing. Me getting into why I thought Kentucky was a four-point underdog, three and a half. I'm like, man, that just was. I don't know where that came from. Um, but anyways, on to this game. Uh, yeah, this was you know again we talk about just kind of a step up in terms of competition, but I, you know, more so to me, it was the, it's the Tennessee effect. And it's yeah. just, you know, again, I think that you look at this from this standpoint and this was just Tennessee being Tennessee. The defense early was just kind of forcing Ole Miss to, to have some issues, although Ole Miss corrects that. And, you know, what was it at half? It was a nine point game at half, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, but you just felt like it just continued to be that same thing where Ole Miss was not going to get anything easy. And that's what Tennessee does to teams. They just, they don't allow you to get anything easy. Um, you know, Tennessee came out, hit 11 threes here. They were very efficient on offense. And I know what, you know, the stat you'll probably go a little bit further on just dominated the boards. I mean, in, in every way, Tennessee just completely dominated the rebounding, uh, part of this equation, 19 offensive rebounds. Um, yeah, just was, I think, like, obviously, if you're Ole Miss, not what you want to see. Tennessee fans, exactly what you want to see because they left no doubt here in terms of this is how good we are defensively. But, oh, by the way, for everybody that talks about how much improved we are on offense, like, here you go. Like, here is one of the reasons why. Like, Jonas Adu, 24 points in this game, um, 10 rebounds, double-double for him. Ziegler with 17, Vescovy with 11. 
Connect only has eight here. Um, but I think that's the point we've talked about. It's like Connect can be the guy that takes over a game and maybe has the highest upside offensively of anyone on this team, but they just have so many other guys that can contribute. And I think that is why, again, we're as high as we've been on Tennessee and um, frustrating for Ole Miss, I'm sure. But, man, this was this was a, a thing of beauty for the Vols. Okay, Blake, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Here we go. No, I'm joking. This was a dominant win. Dominant win. Um, you can you can if you're trying to look for positives for Ole Miss, you can say that the first 19, 20 minutes were were a close battle, but Tennessee missed a lot of open looks from three. Like a lot of open looks from three. They were getting just quality shots, and Ole Miss was having to work their tail off just to get a just to get a shot off. Um, wake up call for Ole Miss, hundred percent, hundred percent a wake up call. But you have to understand. I think this Tennessee team just solidified themselves as a top three team in the nation. Like, no doubt. Um, Jemai Meshack's offensive improvement has has been insane for this team yeah. because of how good he is defensively. Now he's adding in a few threes a game. Oh, it's just exactly what you want to see. Uh, the rebounding battle, I mean, you mentioned it, just dominated by, by Tennessee. Very... Uh, disappointed with with Musa Cisse's effort physically uh, you know you, you're back-to-back defensive player of the year and one of the best conferences in the Big 12 and you're just getting bullied around uh you know take nothing away from from Adu and Awaka they're phenomenal but man I I really expected a little bit more physicality from the Ole Miss front court uh but geez you, you watch that second half and you're just like this Tennessee team is unbelievable. I mean, if Sakai Ziegler was was even just a shade of himself in those those three games in late November, I think you're you're looking at maybe two and one in those three games rather than zero and three. Uh, so, geez, Ole Miss. I mean, I saw so many people yesterday on, on Twitter just going, "Oh, I saw this." Coming from three miles away, this team is. I knew this team was terrible. God, come on, give me a break. Rule number one, Max of Twitter: Don't tweet. I learned that yesterday too. I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't tweet a lot, but when I got back on there yesterday, I'm like, wait a second. I remember why I don't tweet a lot. Sometimes. Give me so. a break. <laughs> I think I don't think anyone in the nation could have gone into Tennessee yesterday and 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 came out with a win. So. Is this a wake-up call for Ole Miss? Do they have some stuff to work on uh, in the front court and rebounding? Most definitely. Um, but is this a top three team in the nation in Tennessee? Yes, also yes. So, you know, next up for, for Ole Miss, I mentioned it with, with Florida, that game is, on Wednesday is just huge. Both of these teams have, you know, Todd Golden hasn't been able to win big games. This is one he needs to win on on the road here. Cannot fall 0-2 for the Gators. And and next up for Tennessee, you go to Mississippi State. Now, that's a Mississippi State team that does not want to fall 0-2 either. So both of these teams have huge games coming up. Uh, But, geez, hats off to Tennessee and Ziegler and them just because amazing performance. Yeah, Tennessee was really good here. And like you said, it's – I'm not ready to just discount Ole Miss just yet because uh, I think that was just the the perfect storm. Having <laughs> go play that team and you've just not seen anything like that to this point in the season. So we'll see. Cause it's a very interesting game, which we'll talk about the Florida Ole Miss game uh, here coming up this week. So, all right, 
on to this last one, which we talk about just ridiculous results in SEC play and how this league makes no sense sometimes. You got that right here because this, like we we did say LSU was going to be better with Jalen Cook. We did. But none of us, and yeah, if you're keeping score at home, we all missed this one too. Um yep. which I don't know how I don't I don't know anybody out there who was picking LSU, just for the record. Unless you're an LSU fan, there's no one out there that was picking LSU. I'm just just being honest here. Um LSU wins by 15 in college station. Now, how did we get there? Well, for starters, there's a new team that is taking the the trophy of potential worst three-point shooting team in the country. And A&M's not quite there yet, but they're getting there. 26.6%. They're now 351st nationally. Mississippi State, of course, was the team last year we kept dogging on, uh, and they wound up being the worst three-point shooting team in the country. A&M goes 5 of 28 here from three. Brutal. Um, you know, got nothing, essentially, from the three-point line. But the even bigger problem is that they go 10 of 31 from inside the arc, 32%. Um, against an LSU team that has been better defensively than offensively this year, but still, it's just like, what? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, because remember, let's keep this in mind, too, with AM. They have beaten Ohio State on the road. Um, they've beaten SMU on the road, who also is not a bad team. They've beaten Iowa State, who I know Max is not all in on Iowa State, and they just lost to Oklahoma. But they almost beat Houston. <laughs> like, the number one – like, yeah. what is going on here? This makes no sense. But then you look over, and it is what Max has been saying. Uh, Max has been beating the drum on this, and we've all kind of come up – like, they are just – LSU just a different team with Jalen Cook, whether he's scoring, whether he's giving other guys opportunities. Um they they weren't that impressive offensively here. I mean, they only scored 68 points, right? But defensively, AM doesn't make shots. LSU takes advantage of that. Um, LSU wins the rebounding battle, which I also would maybe I mean, I know LSU Why? has size, but that's something else that I maybe wouldn't have expected. I don't know, but help me make sense of this one, Max, because I mean, again, if anyone out there was picking LSU to win the game outright. Uh, show your hands because I just did not see this coming into the game. Well, hey, Buzz Williams said it in his in his post game press conference. He said, "If I'm an opposing coach and you ask me what should we do to beat Texas A&M, it's only one thing: do not let them rebound the ball. That's it because no. they're not going to shoot." He said it himself. He knows his team's his one dimensional weakness there. And so that's exactly what LSU did. They did not let Texas A&M hit the offensive glass, um, and and that that was that was the difference in this game. Uh, cool little note here on Jalen Cook. You you got to throw the first what ten games out is because this is a this is a completely different team. Like it's not even this. They're playing a completely different pace. Uh, the the first ten games of the season. LSU only had two games where they finished with a total of 70 possessions or more. The past four games where Cook has played, every single game is 70 or more. So they're playing a completely different pace, a completely different style. It's a new team, and you just got to understand that and toss out those first 10 games. Uh, and you you can now see the, the openings offensively that are available for Jordan Wright. And, and how the offense opens up for him. I mean, it just changes everything. Um, 
we we really just got to, me too, personally, uh, have to change our outlook on this LSU team because it's a new team. Um, they they game planned perfectly for this Texas A&M, A&M team, went to their place and beat them at what they do best. Uh, and that's as, that's as impressive as it gets. Um, so you're going to be seeing a big change in, in my power rankings for where I have LSU because uh, you just have to be results-based and – I mean, look at that second half against Texas, too. They, they turned a corner. You can tell they turned a corner in that second half against Texas. And I, this is a new team. I mean, that's all I can say. Yeah, it's um, they're just different. And yeah. they play Vanderbilt at home on Tuesday. So great opportunity to start 2-0 uh, for you LSU. Go. And uh, then they go to Auburn after that. So um, Battle of the Tigers could be interesting, depending on, again, if LSU wins that game. Auburn's got uh, A&M at home. So Winnable game, yeah, maybe a battle of the two and zero Tigers coming up Could next Saturday. Well but um, yeah, great win for LSU. Yeah, A and M back to the drawing board because that was just a a bad performance. And and here's what I want to finish with on this game. Oh, by the way, A and M loses that game. <laughs> next up, at Auburn, home against Kentucky, at Arkansas, at LSU. That's their first five games. Woo. So by putting themselves in this 0-1-1 hole, not ideal because realistically, they're probably going to be the underdog in, I mean, all but one of those. Because how, how could they not be the underdog at LSU, right? I mean, because we just saw what LSU did. So like they may be favored at Arkansas. But if they are know. favored, it's only going to be by a basket. Yeah. I but but again that's that's dependent on what happens with Arkansas the next couple games too. Right. Um so man that's a yeah that was rough for for A&M because remember we were projecting this team as a top 5 team which at the time you didn't it's you know there wasn't a whole lot of reason not to because they had not played with their full team and get Rafter back and you're saying all right well maybe they mm, now you got to got to figure some things out cuz they got a tough stretch coming up here schedule wise and um, still just looking down the rest of their schedule. They still got Tennessee twice. Um, yeah, so a lot of interesting games left for AM and they're gonna have to turn this thing around. But huge for LSU. And uh anyways, Max, that was our opening day slate in SEC basketball. Ooh. Uh picks wise, I think we went three and four. Uh, because I think we all had the same picks, right? Did we did we any of us pick differently on any of these games? Um I don't think so. We all had Texas yeah. and we all had Tennessee. We all had Alabama. We all had Arkansas. <laughs> we all had Missouri. We all had Kentucky and we all had Mississippi state. Wow. So there you go. So we go three I'm and four. Sure that's not happening next week. No, no. Next week. It's not happening at all. I'm just nope. going to, I'm going to purposely pick against you guys. <laughs> if, any, if any of you guys pick the same one, I'm just like, no way there's, we're not doing this anymore. Nope. Um, we learned our lesson on slate one. You know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Right. And so, um, we learned our lesson. We're not all picking the same anymore. Um, so none of you guys are talking me into these picks. So Arkansas fan, Albert fans like to let you know, Max and Chris, they tried to pay me. You know, they, they tried to, you know, it was a, they basically paid me to pick Arkansas. I didn't do it voluntarily. So, um, no, I'm just kidding. We, we had some fun. And again, we do enjoy the interaction with you guys on Twitter. I know a lot of you yeah. are like, Hey, we watched the channel and you were wrong or you're right. And it's always a good time. So, um yeah it's it's a lot of fun so anyways <laughs> what did we learn on day one of the sec i who knows at this point um expect the unexpected with sec basketball i think that's what we learned max yeah i would say 
you, you never know what's going to happen here. And But I think the main the main takeaway, and I think the team we have to give the most credit to, is, is got to be Auburn. Just oh yeah, congratulations on a on a phenomenal performance. You, you really that was that was something special there from the Tigers. So hey, yep, <laughs> gonna be a wild ride. Power rankings, we'll see. I'm telling you, there's gonna be a lot of movement in our power rankings this week. Could that involve Auburn potentially moving up? Um, they've been Maybe. number three, consensus three for like the past month, month and a half. Yeah, do they move up? We'll find out. Um, we know some teams are moving down, so that means some teams are moving up. So we'll find out in this week's power rankings if you want those. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit the like button as well. It always helps us out. And, uh, again, we appreciate you guys watching as always here at Southeastern 14. We don't say it a lot, but, like, again, we do really enjoy the interaction. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, it is a lot of fun. We, again, we we are half serious sometimes when we talk about our picks and everything, and it's like, hey – we just enjoy doing this. Like we do this for fun. Um, like I said, if we, if we were doing this with the intention that we were going to be right every single time or that we were just, we, we would not be doing, we Max and I'd be opening up shop in Vegas. Like we just be like, <laughs> Hey, everyone, we can see the future. Um, you know, Hey, here you go. But no, we do enjoy the interaction, uh, whether YouTube, Twitter, whatever. So, uh, we appreciate you guys. And you're always uh, fun this time of year, especially as we now get the conference play started in SEC basketball. So again, hit that subscribe button. Power rankings on the way. We'll have our previews for all the other SEC games this season. So uh, hit that subscribe button, and we will talk to you guys again here soon at Southeastern 14, presented by Bet Online. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.